Good morning. How y'all doing? Fantastic. My name is Chris. I'm one of the teaching pastors here. And I want to say a huge round of applause and welcome to you guys. Uh, thank you so much for being here with us. Um, and uh, also want to welcome all those folks who are watching from their couches uh, via Ustream. Uh, glad that you're uh, uh, watching us. Uh, we would ask that you would put on clothes um, because you're in church. I'm just saying. And in fact, I got this text last week from a good friend of mine. that says, man, it is great going to church and like just sitting in my boxers on the couch. And I'm like, dude, why are you texting me this while I'm preaching? I'm just saying it is unique. So uh, anyway, uh, really glad that you're here. Uh, we're on week two of a series entitled, There's an App for That. And if you weren't here last week, I really would encourage you to go to the podcast or you can go and you can watch it at onechurchmedia.tv because that last week's message really sets us up for where we're going uh, for the next entire month of January. So here's the question that we asked last week. What, how would your life be different? How would your life be different if you knew three things? Number one, that there really is a God. Number two, that that God really does know your name and wants to be personally involved in your life. And number three, if you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that that God would never leave you or forsake you. You know, one of the things that we talked about last week is what makes a relationship good is trust, confidence. In fact, we actually use the word faith when we're in church. But faith, trust, confidence, they're all the same thing. That what makes your relationship good with your spouse, what makes your relationship good with your parents, what makes your relationship good with your friends or your coworkers is that you trust them. And that they trust you. And if you're struggling in relationship with somebody, it's probably because there is a lack of trust. There's been some gaps of trust. Here's the thing. We, that same principle that we talked about last week, that what makes relationships good is trust, confidence, faith, that also is what makes our relationship with God sweet. And here's the thing, we talked about last week that our mission statement is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's our mission statement here at One Church. And what we talked about last week is we asked the question, what's growing? And we answered that question, it's our faith, our confidence, our trust in God should be growing. And I gave you guys some homework last week. I asked this question. I asked you guys to go on our website and to interact, and we had a lot of people do that. And I want to th- say thank you so much for doing that. And I, the question I asked was this, simply this. In, in the times, if you're a Christ follower, if you're a Christian, name me three times that you've been in a spiritual high, that things have been really, really awesome. It's kind of like been you and God and like nothing was going to get in the way. And what caused that spiritual high? What caused the Red Bull for your faith? What happened? What was some specific things happened? And, and, and we had some interactive questions, and let me give you some. Um, uh, this is what one person said. Kyla said, one of her spiritual highs is when she got her Bible. Melissa said that one of her spiritual highs, and I'm quoting, was starting a discipline of making reading the Word a scheduled part of every day. And Lindsay said this, getting more into the Bible and picking it up more often and just reading. Now, quick question. What do all of those things have in common? I'm sorry. Are you awake? Don't make me come out there. Just saying. What do all of those three things have in common? The Bible. The Bible. That's huge. In fact, the biggest app that God uses to grow our faith is this right here. 
the Bible. The Bible. God wrote us. He gave us a love letter, and he entitled it. We call it the Bible. It's actually one book, but it's actually 66 different books. And it's, this is the way that God wants to grow our faith. Now, I, again, if you're grown up in church anytime, you're going to know, yeah, okay, so you're going to tell me I need to read the Bible more. And the answer is yes. I mean, what do you, and you're like, dude, okay, seriously. I remember I preached a similar message to this right when one church started. I had somebody come up to me afterwards kind of ticked and says, man, we need something deeper than just read our Bible. I'm like, okay. Well, as we started talking through this, you know, he was like, and what he wanted something deep is, can you get something so confusing that we don't have to do anything with? All right? And that's usually kind of what deepness is. But I'm telling you, we would all say, yeah, okay, reading the Bible is important. But honestly, honestly, how many of you could say that this is a regular routine? Probably most of us, we could say, yeah, I've done it some, you know. Or we kinda, we're kind of like Bill Clinton. I tried it. I inhaled once, you know, but, you know, whatever it is, right? That was a good political joke, just saying. Anyway, um, but here's what I want us to do. I just want to, as much as I can, to convince you today that reading your Bible really is the way of growing. And it's not just about coming to church. It's not just about coming and listening to a sermon. I mean, Jesus Christ could be the pastor here, and if the only person, your only interactive Bible reading is here on Sunday morning, even if Jesus was here, you would not grow. Those are strong words. But I'm telling you, it's the truth. Here's what I want us to do. Let's pretend that this is you, that this cup of water is you, that this right here represents your outlook on life, your purposes in life, your culture. It, it, it represents your attitudes. It represents your actions. It represents everything that consists of you right here in this jar. And what I'm going to try to convince you today and this is our big idea, is getting into God's Word daily will change you. That's our big idea. In fact, if you would, let's all say that together. Getting into God's Word daily will change you. It's like if we took the Bible and it, it, every day, if we just kind of put it in there and we just kind of immersed ourselves daily in the Bible, something's going to happen. There's going to be something that changes us. And we're going to see that. And, 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 and it doesn't take a lot. It just takes a little over a long period of time. That's huge. I cannot overstate this fact. That the Bible and reading the Bible not just once a week, but every day will eventually change you. In fact, I, I love this quote from Dr. Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. He says this, To be a Christian without reading the Bible is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. <laughs> I like that. In fact, could we all just stand up? Let's all stand up. I think you're above average, because here's the thing. We're going to try that. We are going to try to hold our breath for 45 seconds. The average person can hold their breath for 45 seconds. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If I'm going to get, say go, and I'm going to get my timer on my phones so we're not here for a minute and a half, all right? It's always helpful. Um, but what I'm going to ask you guys to do is I'm going to ask you to hold your breath for 45 seconds. Y'all think you can do it? Now, if you, if, you, if you can't hold it, sit down, all right? If you, if you exhale, you know, and by the way, you're in church, so you can't lie. 
Just saying. Y'all ready? On your bark, get set, go. Some of y'all, give yourselves a round of applause. That was awesome. Now, for some of us, like me, I was struggling, right? I was struggling. In fact, some of you, you sat down, you were struggling. I mean, I mean that's the average. We can hold our breath for 40 minutes. Imagine, though, if I asked you to do this entire sermon, about 38 minutes, to hold your breath for 38 minutes. Imagine that. How many of y'all could think you could do it? None of us, right? In fact, if you could do it, you would beat the world's record. Listen to this. The world's record of holding your breath is 22 minutes and 22 seconds long by Tom Sidus, a guy, a German guy who set this record back last May of 2012. I mean, for 22 minutes and 22 seconds, he was able to hold his breath. In fact, they said about his lung capacity that it was over 25% more than the average person's lung capacity, and he held his breath for 22 minutes and 22 seconds. Now, for most of us, 45 seconds was maybe a stretch. Minute, you might could do it. Two minutes. After four minutes, you would start turning blue, and what would eventually happen is that you would pass out, and guess what your body would start doing? Breathing again. In fact, some of you, if you have kids, I've heard this, where a kid says, I'm not going to do it, and they hold their breath. And parents start freaking out, oh, they're going to die. They're not going to die. They're going to pass out. And you know what? They won't do it again. It's amazing. Just saying. Good parenting skills. Thanks for coming to One Church. Here's the thing. Why is, why is breathing so important? Because to live is to breathe. In the same way, to be a follower of Christ, to have big faith, there are certain things that you can't live without, and the number one thing that you can't live, live without isn't church attendance. It's reading your Bible. It's getting in to God's Word. And for some of you here, you feel spiritually tired, and your spiritual life feels blah, and serving in church feels more like a chore. Could it be, could it be that the reason why you're feeling all those things is because Your spiritual life, your spiritual person is not getting enough oxygen. That it's all about bothering. I'll tell you, um, what prompted this series was I ended up reading this book this past year. It's called Move. Really, really good book uh, by uh, Greg Hawkins and Callie Parkinson. And the entire premise of this book was a church up in Chicago called Willow Creek Community Church. Did a study back in 2004 called the Reveal Study. And basically, they asked... Thousands of their members, because it's a large church, what, where you are at spiritually, if they're stuck spiritually. And the whole premise behind this was, what can we as a church, Willow Creek as a church, what do we need to change so that people are growing spiritually? Now, what's so cool about this study 
is that today, starting today, we are going to do this study as well. In fact, if you go to our website, you can click on this banner right here, or there's another banner, and you'll see it. It's a spiritual checkup, and we're going to ask you to fill it out as well. And not only are you going to be part of what we're doing here, but we're going to be part of something nationwide. But there's a video um, all about this study that I want to introduce you to. And uh, Dave Ferguson, he's a pastor of another church. He is interviewing Callie Parkinson, and here's what uh, that interview is all about. So let's watch that. I have with me a, a friend, Callie Parkinson, and Callie is really an expert in the research of spiritual growth and what helps people kind of form Jesus spiritually inside them. Uh, she's also an author, written a number of books, including uh, a brand new one that is doing quite well. It's called Move, What 1,000 Churches Reveal About Spiritual Growth. And um, you and your church, Willow Creek, you did something pretty courageous. You actually uh, did a one-of-a-kind study where you asked people, uh, what helps you grow spiritually, and, and what can we do to help you? And this wasn't just the kind of survey where, hey, on your way back, on the way out of the auditorium today, could you grab a survey and fill it out and throw it in a bag? I mean, this was a pretty extensive study. Yes, this was a big deal. We did an online survey. This is back in 2004. We sent it out to all of our members. We wound up uh, ultimately with over 6,000 people filling out this online survey, and the real goal of the survey, back to your point on I, how are we helping you grow spiritually, uh, our real goal was to figure out which church activity was helping people grow the, the most effectively. And you went even nationwide kind of with yes. it. Yes. We now have 1,500 churches in all kinds of denominations uh, that have taken this survey. We have half a million people in it. And what we found is that we found... The, the, what we found out in the Willow Creek survey really plays out across all these churches. The goal of the church and what we want to have happen is to move people from one stage to another of spiritual maturity, move them closer to Christ. So how do we do that? And in fact, the biggest deal is not a church activity really at all. It's about personal spiritual practices. Mm. It's about investing your time, your energy in developing your relationship with Jesus, because we are not on a journey to develop a relationship with a church. We're on a journey to develop a relationship with Christ. One of the things, though, that you found of kind of above all those other things seemed to kind of transcend all those different categories that was kind of the yes, catalyzing yeah, experience. That's I, right. and, and we talked about this when we met a couple months ago. I would love for you to share with us kind sure. of what that was and what your research found. Okay, and we weren't looking for this. We weren't looking for this. But in fact, what we found is if there was only one thing you could do to grow your relationship with Christ, one thing, it would be to reflect on Scripture for meaning in your life every day. Reflect on Scripture. Don't just read it. Think about what it's telling you. I reflect on Scripture for meaning in my life. That's the statement that when people are doing it every day, it is a powerful catalyst of growth no matter where you are in your spiritual maturity, no matter where you are in your spiritual development. And in fact, reflection on Scripture out of the hundreds of things we've looked at in this survey is head and shoulders over everything else. That means that nothing is more powerful in terms of its influence on your relationship with Jesus because that's how he speaks to you in so many wonderful ways. The thing about this, 
Everything that I'm going to tell you today, everything that you just saw, none of this is new information. We all know this. But if we know it, how come we don't do it? Well, I tell you, it kind of reminds me of a, 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 a thing I want to read to you uh, by John Acuff. Anybody ever heard of John Acuff? He's written some books. One's called uh, Stuff Christians Like, and it's a very sarcastic way of viewing things. And Because and, and, here's the thing, before I dig into this article, um, 93% of all Americans own a Bible. Did you know that? 93% of all Americans own a Bible, and the average household has three Bibles. Yet, the average person in America reads the Bible less than once a month. I mean, it's like saying, you know what, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I'm not going to breathe, like ever. Or I'm going to breathe once a month. It doesn't work. But here's the reason why many of us, we've tried spending time in God's Word. Some people call this a quiet time, uh, and maybe it it doesn't quite work. Listen to what John Acuff says. We want to have a steady, regular, consistent, God is happy with us quiet time, but it's such an on-again, off-again roller coaster. This is it, though. We're getting serious today. For the next 30 days, it is on like Donkey Kong, and I can't wait. This time is going to be different. Day one. Monday is theoretically a good day to start a new 30-day quiet time commitment. But this Monday happens to fall in the middle of the month. Who starts things on the 16th of the month? In fact, new things should be started at the beginning of the month. Or if you really want to ensure success, the beginning of a new year. That's the money date right there, January the 1st. I wish it wasn't October 16th. Nothing good has ever been started on October 16th. Should I wait 10 weeks to start my quiet time in the new year? Probably not. Okay, Monday, let's do this. (laughs) Day two. Day one was easy. I just started reading in the book of Genesis, and I read a little, and I prayed before work. It's got to be in the morning, though. There's something doubly Christian about mornings and reading the Bible in the mornings, and I miss that, and if I miss that time, my whole day is shot. God is not cool with me doing my quiet time during lunch or in the early afternoon, and certainly not at night. God is an early bird. Satan is a night owl. Everybody knows that. Day three. Ugh. Day three was harder. I I just couldn't get up today, and I slept through my quiet time hour. I managed to read a Bible verse online when I got to work, though, and I said a little prayer to God in the elevator when I got into the building. That's still a pretty good quiet time. Streak unbeaten, three days down, 27 to go. Day four. I don't know if you can technically be quiet and listen to a sermon at the same time. But that's what I did for quiet time on day four. There was just so much going on at work that I had to come in early. So instead of praying or being still or anything like that, I just listened to a podcast of a sermon while I filed some reports. It was hard to concentrate, but occasionally I would hear the minister say words like God and Jesus, and I would perk up and put down the filing down for just a minute. Take that, day four. Day five, God loves music. I'm pretty sure David used to sing in the book of Psalms, and there were always, they were always lifting their voices to him in the temple. I don't know if Jesus and his disciples ever jammed around the campfire at night, though. Maybe they had a harp or something. Did the disciples play harps, or is that just only angels? A uh, harp is really a hard instrument to transport unless it's a mini harp. I should really look that up. But I hadn't been able to get too far in the book of Matthew yet. I wanted to today, but traffic was worse than expected. So I prayed in the car and listened to some of my favorite worship music. God is a fan of Chris Tomlin, so I'm marking that down for quiet time. Five days. 
day six. Do the weekends count? Do I really need to sit and listen and pray and read my Bible for it to be considered officially a quiet time? I I play with my kids a lot during the weekend, and God gave them to me, and he wants me to be a good father to them, so I'm counting on our game of wiffle ball as a quiet time. Hooray for six days. Day seven. God made me unique. He handcrafted me to respond to this world in a special, beautiful way. And one of the things that he gifted me with is an appreciation for college basketball. What joy that brings to my heart. How I cry out to the heavens, go Vols! They played last night and it was a special time for God and me to share as we both watch athletes he has gifted with tremendous dunking ability soar about the floor with grace and beauty. Plus, during the timeout, I looked out the window and saw a bush, which reminded me of God's glory and nature and all of that. So that makes seven days in a row during a quiet time. This is going to be a whole lot easier than I thought. <laughs> wow. Here's the thing. One of the things, and I want to give you four ways, four things of some, some things that I do. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I know many of you are vastly different than me, and you need to praise Jesus for that, okay? But I'm going to tell you what works for me. And as I'm talking with you, I don't want you to think that I've got this all figured out. Because even as a preacher, there are days that I forget. In fact, there's been times this week where I've been preparing to teach you guys how to do a quiet time where I've just forgotten to have a quiet time. What do you do when something like that happens? Do you just stop? Do you say, you know what, this isn't for me? Do you just say, you know what, I am a failure, I am a loser, and I'm, just, I'm never going to be able to do it, so I'm never going to try again? Is that what we do? No. I mean, how many of y'all have ever blew through a lunch or a supper because you were too busy? Let me see your hands. All right? Now, just because you blew through a lunch or a supper, do you say, man, I'm a loser, I'm a failure, I'm never going to eat again? Is that what we do? No. Not at all. In fact, we, we eat usually doubly good the next time, right? Because we're hungry, right? So this is the one of the things I just want to encourage you. This is not, I, I've been doing, I'm 41 years old. And one, y'all hush. There are other churches you can go to. I'm just saying. Just, I'm just playing with y'all. No, anyway, I, and I got to be honest with you, of my 41 years, I've not been perfect at this. I've not been perfect this week. But I'm going to tell you, I've been more consistent than not, and I want to share with you four things that's helped me. So, the first one, as we dig into this, how to have a quiet time, how to read your Bible. And and this is huge because I want to say this, many of you are just 10 minutes a day from being radically changed. Do you know that? 10 minutes a day. Because so many times when we think of a quiet time, we think, I've got to spend hours with Jesus in the lotus position humming. Uh, some of you can't even get in the lotus position. I don't think I could, right? But that's, that's not what a quiet time is. And so many times we, we, we think we should do it for distance, but we're not reading for distance. We're reading for depth. That's huge. So if you do it for 10 minutes one day and 10 minutes the next day, and you're consistently doing 10 minutes over a month, over uh, six months, over a year, over five years, over 15 years, God is going to radically change you from the inside out. This is huge. Now, we're going to be looking at a passage of Scripture today in the book of Psalms. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to the book of Psalms. By the way, we give away Bibles for free here. So uh, if you don't have a Bible, please go and grab one, all right? Um, The book of Psalms, and we're going to be in the longest chapter in the longest book of the Bible, all right? 
The longest chapter is Psalm 119. So if you took your Bibles and you opened up to the middle, you would probably be at the book of Psalms. And you want to go to Psalm 119, and Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the book of the Bible. And, And let me tell you, the whole premise of this chapter The whole point of this chapter is our big idea, that if you get into God's word, it will change you. If you get into God's word daily. Now, let me give you these four things that's going to help you and that's helped me, and they all begin with the letter R. I apologize, but they do. The first one is this, routine. Everybody say routine. Routine. One of the keys of starting something new and making it a part of your rhythm of your life is it has to become what? Routine. Now, what is a routine? Routine is a a sequence of actions done regularly for a specific purpose. A a, a sequence of actions done regularly for a specific purpose. How many of y'all have routines? Not just Bible, but just regular routines. All of us got routines, right? If I asked you what's your your morning routine, you probably would have one. If you, what's your routine for lunch? You probably have one. How do you go to, you know, how do you drive from home to work? You probably have a route, a routine that you normally do. How long does it take to create a habit? 21 days, three weeks, exactly right. In fact, Eugene Peterson says this. He talks about a long obedience in the same direction. There's something about it that if you do it consistently over time, you will be changed. By the way, have you noticed this water yet? What is this water called now? Tea. And if you're doubly religious, you put sugar in it. Sweet tea. I'm just saying. Don't get me preaching, all right? Now, how do you create a routine? Three things. You need three things to create a routine. The first one is this, a regular and specific time. A regular and specific time. You pick a good time when you can meet with God on a regular basis. And you need to choose a time during the day when you're going to do this. Isn't it true that most important things for you, you schedule? I mean, some of you, you have bill pay and you have schedules. Um, You schedule this and you schedule that. Important meetings, you schedule. You put it on your calendar. Um, If you have to get a certain form in at work, you probably put a reminder and you schedule it. And that is exactly what we're talking about. David writes this in Psalm, in Psalm 119, 147. He says this, I rise early before the sun is up. I cry out for help and put my hope in your words. I stay awake through the night thinking about your promise. Now, let's stay right there. Most people think, you know what, be, and you, you heard that in the John Acuff thing, that to be doubly spiritual, you do it in the morning. That's a crock. How many of y'all are morning people? Okay, how many of y'all are not morning people? All those who are raising their hands down, you want to strangle the other people's, right? I understand that. And you know what? Nowhere in the Bible does it say, thou shalt read the Bible in the morning. It doesn't say that, all right? Because not all of us are morning people. Let me give you a principle here. The best time to read the Bible is when you're at your best. And for some of you, getting up at 6 in the morning is not going to cut it. Because you're not a morning person. If you got up, and even if you got up and if you cracked your Bible five minutes after you read it, you wouldn't remember what you read, right? So what's the point, right? You want to read the Bible. The best time to read the Bible is when you're at your best. You give God the best part of your day when you're the freshest and you're most alert. And for some of you, that may be noon. 
Man, I totally remember when I was a college student, I was a morning person then, and I would have my quiet times at noon, all right, because that's when I was the most wide awake, right? I mean, I mean, yesterday I slept to 11. I haven't done that in years. It was an amazing thing. Jesus loves me, this I know, all right? But normally, I get up early, all right? That's huge. But it doesn't matter when you get up. Here's the thing. All of us, if you don't get up at 6, you may get up at 9 o'clock in the morning. But all of us have a morning time. All of us have a beginning part of our day, right? Correct? So whenever that is, if that's 6 in the morning or 11 in the morning, all right, then here's the thing. You need, and just find a time when you're the best and get into God's Word. You've got to schedule it. You, if you don't schedule it, it's never going to become routine. In fact, if you just said, I'm going to do it someday, there's not a day on the calendar called someday. It's Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Wednesday, not someday, all right? Now, let me say this as well. You've got to have a specific time, but you also need to have a specific place. If you talk to people who have made it a regular habit of reading God's Word, they would tell you that they have a specific place. Now, by a place, I mean they have a spot where they go and they sit in this place. That every time they go in this place, they're expecting to hear from God and open His Word. When I was in college, again, I told you I'd, I'd do it at noon, and I was, when I was, when I was in college at Austin P, I I would go down to the river, and at noon, I would sit down there and I would read my Bible. You need to have a specific place. And then the last thing, you want to have a specific plan. You want to have a specific plan. Let me tell you what is not a good plan. Is opening up the Bible. The priests, the descendants of Aaron, were placed into two divisions, named after Aaron's sons, Eleazar and Ithamar. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for your word. Did anybody get anything out of that? I didn't, right? This is not a good plan. And let me tell you, if you've not done it, I, this, this plan right here, if you just open up to a verse, th- there are some verses on there that if you just read that one verse, you're going to do some crazy stuff, right? I'm just saying, right? Um, some of you, you're going to open up the verse and it says, and Judas hung himself. And you're going to go, what am I supposed to do, right? Because... I'm just saying, that's not a good plan. Let me give you some, some ideas and some plans. The first one is this. Is, uh, you know, there are 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. Today is, is uh, January the 6th. So after today, you could read Proverbs 6, just a few verses, and you, kinda, you, and you, you just spend some time there. You reflect on it, just as we saw in that video. But the Proverbs is a great place. Psalms has 150 chapters. You could read three chapters a day, and you could get through the entire book of Psalms in a month. And here's the thing. After you've done it one month, guess what you do? You keep on going. I tell you, no lie. I've read the book of Proverbs so many times that there was a time where I had the entire book memorized. And it wasn't because I'm a really good, I have a good memory. Those of you who know me very well, I got stinky memory. But when you're in something so much, it will become a part of you. It, it, it's just It's just natural. Right? If you watch a movie, some of you, I could ask, what's your favorite movie? And you could quote lines all day, right? Because you've seen that movie many, many times. Let me tell you, when you've been into God's Word that much, you're going to start bebopping and scatting. You're going to be quoting. All right? The second one is this, is read your Bible. Read your Bible. All right? When I, I served in the church in the, in the Midwest, and I remember one of the elders of the church says, you know, I have my quiet time by listening to Christian radio. 
And, uh, you know, um, that's great, but that, listening to Christian radio is not a substitute for reading God's Word. It's not. Some of you think, well, I'll just turn on Way FM. It's not going to cut it. All right? It's just not. Or coming to church or listening to a podcast is not a substitute for reading God's Word. Listening to worship songs, as much as I love worshiping, that's not a substitute for reading God's Word. God's Word has a promise about His Word. It says in Isaiah 55, 11, it says, He says, His Word will never return void. And there, I'll be honest with you, there's sometimes when you can read through the Bible and you're like, I didn't get a lot out of it today. That's fine. You keep on going, and you read it again the next day, and the next day, and the next day, and eventually you will get something out of it. Now, for some, listen to what Psalm 119.11 says. I have, what's that next word? Hidden what? Your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Let me tell you what that doesn't say. I have hidden way FM in my heart, that I may not sin against you. I have hit, hidden Chris's sermons in my heart that I may... I, no, no, no. None of that. None of that. What, what it says... But, and I know some of you, you're pushback, but reading is hard. How old are you? Honestly. I mean, for some of you, you don't have a problem looking at sports statistics. You read, right? I mean, some of you read a paper. I know I may be dating myself. Some of you are going, what's that? A paper, right? For others, I mean, we read things, but, but many times, here's the reason why the reading the Bible sometimes is hard is because we don't interact with it. So let me give you, again, a couple of principles. In fact, Psalm 119, verses 12 through 16. Listen to David's interaction here. I praise you, O Lord. Look at the first interaction. Teach me your ways. Teach me your ways. Uh, I have, look at the second interaction, recited aloud all of your regulations you have given us. So one of the things you can do is when you read the Bible, you say it out loud. For some of you, if you're just kind of reading by yourself, our minds can drift. But read it out loud. Look at this. I have third interaction. I have what? I have rejoiced in your laws as much as riches. I will, look at this next one. I will what? Study your commandments and what? reflect on your ways, I will delight in your decrees, and I will not forget your word. You see this? To really get something out of the Bible, you're going to have to read it interactively. Pretend that you're a part of the story. Ask questions like, who is writing this? Who is talking? Who is this written to? What is repeated? What is trying to be said? What would this mean if this were written to me? And what should I change after reading this? Today, on my quiet time this morning, I was reading out of 1 Kings chapter 10. And it's part of, it's part of history, and it, it's talking about the, the, the nation of Israel becoming divided. And, you know, after reading something like it's like, okay, what's the point? How can I apply that to myself? You've got to read it interactively. Okay, what are some principles I can learn out of this? What did the main character do wrong? What should have been done? How can I do that? So we've got to read the scriptures not for distance but for depth. Start small. Start for seven minutes. Don't do a two-hour quiet time at first. And don't, don't watch the clock. You know, if you just sit there and watch the clock, okay, five minutes, six minutes, done. Right? That's not what you want to do. If, don't emphasize quantity. Emphasize quality. Now, the third part is you want to reflect. You want to reflect. You want to stop and reflect about it. Now, another word for reflect is, for, is to meditate. 
the best way I can explain this, how many of y'all have ever worried? Anybody? And worried? Okay. What do you do when you worry? Exactly right. Think about this. I, I'm a, I, I didn't used to be a warrior. I've become a warrior, and that's not a good thing. But when I am in bed and I start worrying about something, I, I, I will fixate on that one thing, and I, I won't get any sleep, and I, and I will just, I, and I'll say, okay, stop thinking about that. I'll tell myself, stop thinking about it. Does that ever work? No. In fact, if I said, do not think about elephants, what is everybody thinking about right now? Exactly right. Let me tell you, just as worry is fixating on something, to meditate or to reflect on something is positive worry. I mean, if you want to be able to replace worries, then you have to fixate your mind on something else, and you read a verse, and you just think about it. You think about it. You fixate on it. In fact, listen to what Psalm 119.97, what David says. Oh, how I love your instructions. He's saying, I love God's word. I think about them, what? All day long, right? And now listen to this. David is the king of an entire nation. It's not like he has nothing to do. He is busy. But David's saying, no, no, no. I may be busy, but I am going to meditate. I'm going to think about them all day long. Why? Because the things you think about are, will, will impact your decisions the most. The things you think about are the most will impact your decisions the most. And it's positive worrying, all right? That's huge. The last one, before we close, the last one, number four, is record. Is record. And this is probably one that probably all of us struggle with. Because, okay, yeah, we have a routine. Yeah, we're to read. And yeah, we're to reflect. We're, you know, we're to kind of positive worry about it. But then you've got to write it down. You've got to write it down. Now, why is that? I, I have up here uh, one of many Bibles that I've had in the past. This one as you can tell, it's all to pieces. Um, this is one that I had when I was younger. And I'm, I'm telling you, throughout these, like here's one. I'm on Luke chapter 2. This is with Jesus being born. In verses 6 and 8, many people were looking for a big miracle of that day, yet they failed to look in a common stable. Look in the common places of your life, and there you will find miracles. All right, That's something that God was teaching me years ago. What's so cool now is, even though it was a long time ago, I can still go back and look and reflect and see what God was teaching me back then. This is huge. This is like steroids for your faith. Because you think, okay, 10 minutes is not going to do anything. But if you do it 10 minutes over a long period of time and you record what God is teaching you, you're going to go back at at the end of 2013, you're going to have a notebook. You're going to have a Bible filled with all kinds of notes. And you're going to see that you have changed from the inside out, just like this tea has. See, what's happened with this water, we don't call it water anymore. The identity of this has changed. All right? And let me tell you, when you get into God's Word regularly and consistently, you will be changed and your identity will be changed. God will recreate you. And the mess that you've been struggling with in your head, you're going to see that you're still going to be struggling with some of this, but it's going to be a whole lot less frequent. 
Because something has changed inside of you. And what that, what's changed is that long obedience in the same direction. It's getting into God's word regularly. You need to record it. Psalm 119, 101 and 102 says this. I have refused to walk in an, any evil path so that I may remain obedient to your word. I have not departed from your laws for you yourself have taught me. He says this, I love how he ends this, 103, 104, and 105. How sweet are your words to taste, uh, how sweet your words taste to me. They are sweeter than honey or sweet tea if you live in the South. Your commandments give me understanding. No wonder I hate every false way of life. And look at this last verse. Your word is a lamp to God what? I didn't say it. Uh, it'll get to it in just a sec. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. That's so personal. And, and David is saying, you know what? And David didn't even have all of the Bible. He only had seven books out of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, and Judges. That's all he had. All right? But he is reading this God's word, and he's saying, you know what? This is so personal to me. It is impacting my life, and it is my feet and my path. Now, if you would throw that verse back up there. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. And it's like having, how many of y'all ever went camping? Maybe you had, a, you had a flashlight. A flashlight will show you what's right in front of you, right? It will not show you something down the road two miles. So, again, what you have to do, this is kind of how God's Word works, you read it every day, and you take a step. You read it every day, you take a step. You read it every day, you take a step. And after a while, what are you going to see? You have going to walk miles spiritually because you read every day, and you did what it said. You took a step. That's huge. It's personal. Now, before I go to questions, I want to give you four challenges, four things that you can do with this message. The first one is this. Um, if you want some uh, ways to interact with the message today, if you want some uh, maybe some times you're like, I don't know what to read for my quiet times and stuff like that, we actually give you resources every week on onechurchmedia.tv. This is what the website looks at. It does all of our live streaming, but at the bottom, you're going to see small group questions. All right? Or if you ever missed a sermon, you're gonna, you can read the manuscript of the sermon. You can watch it, I mean, all of this stuff, all right? But that's huge. So you can go on there and you can download the small group questions and you can have a quiet time based on those questions. The second one is this. You go to uversion.com. Uversion.com. How many of y'all have a smartphone? Let's see. How many of y'all have Uversion downloaded? All right? If you don't, please do that. Let me tell you, that's huge because I do all of my Bible reading on Uversion and it reminds you. It's kind of dumb proof, all right? At, at 11.13 every day, I get a reminder saying, have you read the Bible today? It does that. And you can set up whenever, whatever, whatever time you want to say. But it will help you create a routine. That's huge. And I'm encouraging you, starting today, if you've not, you know, today's the 6th, so it's still kind of the beginning of the year. I'm encouraging you to find, I'm not asking you to read the Bible for a year. I'm not asking you to do that. I'm asking you to do it for 30 days. 30 days. How many of y'all would say, you know what, I'm willing to try this for 30 days? And by the way, if you miss a day, do you just throw your hands up and go, man, heck with this. 
This is dumb. No. You, you, you say, okay, I'm going to keep, and, and maybe it's 31 days, all right? But I'm encouraging you. How many of y'all will say, you know, I'm willing to try reading it for 30 days? Let me see your hands. All right? 30 days, that's all it takes. And find a good Bible reading plan. In fact, I think, I think we've got a video here that'll kind of show a little bit about this. Here's some of the, the, the Bible reading plans. This is on the website you version, but there's the one year Bible, if you want to do that, life application study Bible. Uh, this, there's one here for eight days long. All right, if some of you, okay, I can't do 30. Can you do eight? You do eight and you complete it and you go, I'm going to try another eight. You do another one, you do that four times, what you got? 32. Do you like that multiplication? It's crazy, I know. All right? <clears throat> I did that without taking off my shoes. So you find a reading plan. The third, is, the third option is this. There's something called sonic light. And one of my uh, um, seminary professors, Tom Constable, he gives all of this stuff away for free. By the way, now, when I went to seminary, I had to pay for it, so I'm a little bitter. Um, but you can go to it's soniclight.com. And if you're reading the Bible and you get to a point going, what in the world does that mean? I get to places like that, and I'm a preacher. You can go on here, and as you see, all of these, these are different ways you can interact with God's Word. You can click on, if you're in Romans, you can click on Romans, and it will give you verse by verse explaining the book of Romans. And it's free. All right? That's huge. Soniclight.com. Last one is this. And this really is huge. Um, uh, we're asking everybody in our church to do this. We're asking you to go to our website and to click on this. You're going to see this graphic. And we're asking you to take this spiritual litmus test. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I took it this past week, and it is long. You, you don't want to do this from your phone, even though we, I think we have a link on version Live. You don't want to do this. You want to, and you want to carve out about 30 minutes to do this. Some of you are going, dear Jesus, 30 minutes, all right? It's gonna, this is going to be live for the next three weeks, and, uh, and, and it's totally anonymous. Uh, this goes uh, to, a, uh, uh, to Willow Creek, and they compile the results for it, and they actually give it to us. There's no names, but this is a way that we can figure out what you guys need spiritually, what we need to do differently. It's a really, and it's a fantastic study. So I'd encourage you, make sure to click on this uh, banner and to take this survey. You've got three weeks to do it, all right? Again, do I need to, uh, how many of y'all are willing to, in the next three weeks to do this? Let me see your hands. All right, cool. I see some people raising hands. I'm not going to call on other people. Anyway, anyway, good. All right, let's do this. Here's what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray, and I think I, I, actually I do have some, I think, one question. Um, it says this. Uh, I apologize, I'm running a little bit long. Um, never read my Bible as much or regularly till I started using the YouVersion app. That plan ro- rocks. Uh, it's a great place to start and always know where you are at the plan because it's on your phone. Really, really good, all right? Um, by the way, that was sent to me by a person who said uh, uh, they watched us live from um, last week from their couch. Anyway, all right, next one. What if you're always on the go from the minute you wake up to the minute you go to bed? When are you supposed to have a quiet time? That's a great question. Let me say this. Um, I, I've heard this, and, I, and some of my old youth pastors said this. If you're too busy to spend time with God, then you're... I know that's difficult to say, 
But again, let's, if, if, I, if we kind of broke that down, if I, asked that, if I asked whoever put that question in, hey, um, did you have enough time to watch TV today? Did you have enough time to read the, or maybe listen to the radio today? Or, um, I mean, a lot of times we say we're just too busy, but we always find time for the stuff that's, that we prioritize, right? I mean, all of us prioritize eating at least three times a day, all right, some more, and we find time to eat. I'm telling you, one of the things that you can do, if you, get, if you have a smartphone, you get version. and I've done this. I've been so busy. I've went on my plans. I plugged it into my car, and it will read me the Bible as I'm driving to work. All right? There, really, in a lot of ways, there's just not any excuse. Now, again, it doesn't mean we're perfect in this. I'm not perfect in this. But when we fail, we say, okay, maybe I was too busy today. And you know what? Let's not go through the guilt thing. Let's just, I'm going to prioritize it tomorrow. Or maybe it's even right before you went to bed. Okay, I was too busy today, but I'm going to get up out of bed. Don't try reading your Bible in bed. Just saying. It's not going to work well as you're praying. All right? Just so, maybe get up and read for five minutes and, put it in, and, and pray and say, God, what can I learn from that? And you shut it down you do that. All of us can do that. We, we prioritize what's important to us. All right, let's pray. Dear God, I just thank you so much for your love and your grace. I thank you so much, God, that we can come and we can learn and, and know more about you by reading your word. And Lord, I pray that us as a church, I pray that we would spend some time in God's word this week. Lord, uh, maybe 30 days is too much. Maybe we just bite off seven. And we say, you know what, seven days I can do this. Lord, I pray that you would make us more consistent. Lord, that you would deepen us. And Lord, as when we get in your word, that you would just teach us so much, Jesus Christ. We love you. We thank you so much that you love us, so much that you gave us your word. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.